98K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Richard Pine. Tonight's headlines. A teenager who was shot in the chest during last year's unrest has reportedly fled Hong Kong. Washington blacklists Hong Kong's government flying service alleging ties to the Chinese military. And a police officer who displayed the ID of a reporter to a live streaming camera is found to have violated a privacy law. A student who was shot with a live round by the police during last year's anti-government protests has reportedly fled Hong Kong to go into exile. This emerged after the 19-year-old failed to show up to a court hearing. Cecil Wong has details. Zhang Shikin is accused of rioting and assaulting police in Chunwan on National Day last year, the same day he was shot in the chest by a policeman at close range. Prosecutors told the district court that Mr. Zhang, who had been out on bail, had not reported to the police as he was supposed to since October the 24th, and officers were not able to locate him. Judge Justin Ko issued an arrest warrant for him and approved the defense's request to adjourn the case until February the 2nd. Shortly after the hearing, Friends of Hong Kong, a UK-based group supporting anti-government protesters from the SAR, released a statement saying Zhang Shikin and several teammates were formally declaring that they were now in exile. The group did not say where the activist is, but that his partner is in the UK. Washington has included Hong Kong's government flying service on a blacklist of Chinese and Russian entities with alleged military ties that restricts them from buying a wide range of US goods and technology. As Vicky Wong reports, it's part of the Trump administration's efforts in its waning days to blacklist a whole host of Chinese entities. The blacklist that the government flying service was put in includes 58 Chinese entities and 45 tied to Russia. A subsidiary of Hutchison China, Hutchison Optel Telecom Technology, is also among them. Around 300 civil servants work at the GFS. Its aircraft are used for search and rescue missions, firefighting as an air ambulance service, and to assist in law enforcement operations. Pro-democracy activists recently claimed that the GFS had tracked the 12 young Hong Kongers who were detained by the Guangdong Coast Guard in August, allegedly as they were trying to flee to Taiwan. The authorities neither confirmed nor denied the claim, although for their part the police insisted that they had played no role in the group's arrest. The move by the Trump administration follows the addition of dozens of Chinese companies to another U.S. trade blacklist, including the country's top chip maker, SMIC, and Chinese drone manufacturer, SZDJI Technology, last week. Steve Vickers is the chief executive of Steve Vickers and Associates, which is a specialist political and corporate risk consultancy. He doesn't think the blacklist will affect the government flying service much. Clearly, U.S. companies do require now, with immediate effect, a special license to export, re-export or transfer all kinds of equipment to any of the entities on the blacklist. So initially the implications, I think, will be software, equipment, uh, that sort of thing, and perhaps training uh, and the like. But it's um, a a powerful news story, but perhaps not as substantial in, in actual fact as it sounds. The Privacy Commissioner has found that a police officer who displayed a reporter's ID card to a live streaming camera at a typo protest last year had breached privacy laws. Priscilla Ng reports. On December 26 last year, an officer at Taipo Mega Mall demanded to see the ID and press cards of a Stan News reporter covering the protest. He held up the journalist's two press cards to a TV camera and then did the same with the ID card for around 40 seconds. 
Following an investigation, the watchdog said the officer had used the reporter's personal data without his consent, and his action was not consistent or directly related to the aim of stopping searches to verify a reporter's identity. The commissioner recommends the police to revise its force procedures manual to make sure officers are aware of and comply with data protection principles to ensure frontline officers protect people's personal data when they carry out stopping searches. The watchdog also called on the police to boost their training for officers to establish a culture for personal data privacy and enhance their professional image and service quality. In response, police say they accept the findings of the investigation and will follow up on the recommendations proposed by the watchdog. They also said they had rebuked the officer concerned and will carry out a disciplinary review. Priscilla Ng reporting. You're tuned to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Police have launched a territory-wide manhunt for a group of massed assailants who killed a 57-year-old man in a brutal knife attack in Fanling. Natalie Ching reports. Officers say the victim, surnamed Pang, was attacked by the Black Cat men inside a stone factory that he owns in Wahabshak Chun at around 11.45 a.m. The assailants were said to have been driven to the scene in a black seven-seater car, where they reportedly slashed the victim with cleavers for around 10 seconds. Pang suffered serious injuries to his head, waist and thighs and was taken to North District Hospital, where he was pronounced dead shortly afterwards. Chief Inspector Quan Chen Hin of the New Territories North Crime Unit said the force is trying to track down the gang who fled towards Thai War Service Road West. Inspector Quan said the motive for the attack is so far unknown, but the force will investigate whether the victim was involved in any personal, business or relationship disputes. He said officers will also try and work out whether the case had anything to do with triad activity in the area. Health authorities confirmed 63 new COVID-19 cases today, the lowest daily figure in a month. 53 were locally acquired, while the source of infection is unknown for 13 cases. Here's Dr. Chuang Shuk Kwan of the Centre for Health Protection. The number of confirmed cases is slightly lower than previous days, so I hope this trend will continue so that we can actually see a downward trend, but I'm still not sure yet. Authorities also reported one more COVID-related death. An 86-year-old man died, bringing the death toll to 132. Two of 10 imported COVID-19 cases confirmed today had recently arrived from the UK, where a new, more infectious strain has emerged, prompting Hong Kong to temporarily bar all travel from the country. But infectious diseases specialist Joseph Zhang from the Medical Association says the authorities may have to ban flights from Europe as well because of the likelihood that the mutated variant has already spread outside of the UK. For example, the Netherlands, Belgium, France and Denmark, the media have reported similar COVID infections in these countries. So I think the Hong Kong government has to update its entry requirements all the time and see if there's any need to restrict flights from the countries I mentioned. But another epidemiologist, Benjamin Cowling from the University of Hong Kong, warns that it may already be too late. He told Mike Weeks the new variant of the coronavirus might already be here. This strain is probably also in other parts of the world already. And if we were doing genetic surveillance of the strains identified in travelers into Hong Kong, we might find that strain in people from other parts of the world as well. So we really need to keep a very close eye on infections that are coming into Hong Kong and keep the the strict measures that we have in place, the 14-day quarantines and so on. Health officials here say the variant hasn't been found in Hong Kong so far. But, But is that because they haven't been looking, do you think? 
Uh, that, that's one possibility for sure. Medical experts say people should not be afraid of getting inoculated against COVID-19, suggesting that severe allergic reactions to vaccines are as rare as getting hit by a car. Francis Sitt reports. Experts from two medical concern groups, the Allergy Association and the Institute of Allergy, pointed out that severe allergic reactions have been reported following vaccinations in other countries. The allergists suspect they might be caused by drug substances known as excipients, which are often added into vaccines as preservatives and stabilizers. Dr. Philip Lee from the Allergy Association says that shouldn't deter people from getting vaccinated. There is no real medical reason to avoid a vaccine purely on such a rare occurrence of possible excipient allergy, okay? It's always been here. It's just, it's a bit blown up. Professor Gary Wong from the Institute of Allergy echoed that view, saying the benefits of getting a jab far outweigh the risks. Whenever you cross the road, there is a chance you're going to be hit by a car, isn't it? But the chance is so small. Is it because you worry that you're going to be hit by a car in your whole life? You're not going to walk across the street? The government announced that it has secured vaccines produced by mainland firm Sinovac and another batch by German company BioNTech and mainland firm Fossen. The first batch of vaccines from Sinovac is expected to arrive as early as next month. Taiwan has reported its first locally transmitted COVID-19 case in more than eight months. Vicky Wong reports. Health Minister Chen Shih-chung told a news conference that the person who tested positive was a close contact of a confirmed case. The patient, a woman in her 30s, is believed to have caught the virus from an infected New Zealand pilot. Life has largely been going on as normal in Taiwan after early restrictions on large-scale events were lifted. The last locally transmitted case was on April the 12th, and the island has never gone into full lockdown. A Polytechnic University student has been found guilty in connection with an unauthorised protest in Mong Kok on New Year's Eve last year. He'll be sentenced next month. Francis Sitt has more. The defendant, 20-year-old Cho chong Hei, was found guilty of unlawful assembly and possessing items with intent to damage property. But he was cleared of a charge of possessing an instrument fit for unlawful purposes. The West Kowloon court heard that police officers gave chase after dozens of black-clad protesters blocked roads outside Pioneer Centre on December the 31st last year. The defendant was arrested at the scene with pliers and spray paint found on him. Magistrate Jeffrey C. said he found the police officers who testified in the trial to be honest and credible. He added that there is sufficient environmental evidence in this case. The magistrate noted that the defendant and other black-clad protesters were blocking roads and disrupting order. Mr. C. said their actions could have prompted others to use violence or caused chaos when the police arrived to disperse them. Experts are urging the government to get a better deal with Guangdong over the supply of water from the Dongjiang River to the territory. The two sides are preparing to come up with a new agreement for the coming nine years, but Edwin Lau, who advises the government on water supply issues, says the plan on the table for now would translate into minimal savings, even if Hong Kong uses less water than agreed. It's not a great deal. It's a very small uh, decrease. Actually, in the long run, the Hong Kong government should negotiate with the Guangdong authorities to have a better deal. The MTR Corporation says it's received 37 expressions of interest of its latest property development project at Wong Chuk Hang Station, which will provide up to 1,050 flats with a total gross floor area of almost 640,000 square feet. Analysts estimate the project to be worth between $10.1 billion and $12.3 billion. 
and they expect land premium to hit $18,000 per square foot, which would exceed that of the previous four phases of development at the station. Sport and the first two quarter-final matches in the English League Cup will take place tonight with Newcastle away to second-tier Brentford and Arsenal at home to Manchester City. Despite winning six out of six in the group stage of the Europa League, Arsenal's domestic form has suggested manager Mikel Arteta may be under pressure to keep his job. The Gunners have lost five and drawn two in their last seven league games, picking up two points from a possible 21. They're 15th in the Premier League table. Arteta says his experience as a player will get him through this difficult period. I like to look around me, whether it's a staff, coach, players, and I want to see fighters. Normally when that happens, you have two types of people, fighters and victims. You just need fighters. You don't want any victims. Victims bring excuses, victims bring um, negativity, um, and they start to blame anything that is happening around them or that is not going for them. But you need this just uh, people who fight, people who contribute, and people are ready to, to give everything to the cause in these moments. The son of former England international Nobby Stiles says he has no doubt that heading balls contributed to his father's death. John Stiles spoke about a post-mortem found the former footballer's brain was affected by dementia, believed to be caused by repeated blows. Stiles, who won the European Cup with Manchester United in 1968, was the fifth member of England's World Cup winning squad of 1966 to have been diagnosed with dementia. Here's the BBC's Natalie Perks. The Stiles family had donated Nobby's brain to science after his death from dementia in October at the age of 78. They were convinced that repetitive heading of footballs throughout his career had caused the disease. An examination carried out by neuropathologist Dr Willie Stewart confirmed their suspicions. It found the English World Cup winner's brain to be at an advanced stage of chronic traumatic encephalopathy, a degenerative brain disease only found in people who've suffered repeated head impacts. The Stiles family say they felt angry but vindicated by the results. A landmark study by the same doctor last year found footballers are more than three and a half times more likely to suffer from dementia. English football authorities will meet tomorrow to discuss whether more needs to be done to restrict heading the ball in the adult game. After starting the NFL season with 11 straight wins, the Pittsburgh Steelers have stumbled to their third successive defeat, losing to the lowly Cincinnati Bengals. It finished 27-17 for the Bengals, who picked up only their third win this season. Pittsburgh have already clinched the playoffs, but the division title is still up for grabs. The Steelers hold a one-game edge over the Cleveland Browns in the AFC North, with two games remaining. A reminder of our top stories tonight. A teenager who was shot in the chest during last year's unrest has reportedly fled Hong Kong. Washington blacklists Hong Kong's government flying service, alleging ties to the Chinese military, and a police officer who displayed the ID of a reporter to a live-streaming camera is found to have violated a privacy law. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's News Wrap programme. Washington has included Hong Kong's government flying service on a blacklist of Chinese and Russian entities with alleged military ties that restricts them from buying a wide range of U.S. goods and technology. It's part of the Trump administration's efforts in its waning days to blacklist a whole host of Chinese entities. Steve Vickers is the chief executive of Steve Vickers & Associates, which is a specialist political and corporate risk consultancy. 
He told Anne-Marie Evans the move should have a limited effect on the government department. Hong Kong's GFS is one of a, of a very substantial, uh, a very, very substantial list. Uh, I noticed there was a former Hutchison company also on the list, but my, uh, we had a quick look this afternoon. It looks as if that was um, actually sold in 2015. Um, but yes, it'll have a. Um, it will certainly have um, some impact uh, on the GFS, uh, particularly if, if they wish to buy spare parts, equipment, uh, um, supporting equipment, software, uh, and the rest in support of um, of their day-to-day activities. Yes, because I mean, are they helicopters American? No, I mean, uh, not, as far as I can see, uh, mostly the aircraft currently being used by the GFS, or at least are not. Uh, um, I don't think are manufactured um, currently in the U.S. Um, so clearly this is a, a political reaction to um, allegations made recently by the pro-democracy activists that, that the GFS, the Government Flying Service, had tracked the 12 Hong Kongers who were detained in Guangdong. Um, that's what the pro-democracy camp would say. The government side would say that um, a group of Hong Kong people tried to enter mainland waters uh, and were arrested. So uh, whatever side of the the tracks you're on, it, 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 there's little doubt that that's why the GFS has been targeted. Now, the fact that it has been targeted, is that just about equipment, or is that also going to be, you know, sanctions on bank accounts? Um, there's no evidence at the moment that, that, that bank accounts uh, are, the, uh, are the initial goal. Uh, and clearly U.S. companies do require now, immediate, with immediate effect, a special license to export, re-export, or transfer uh, all kinds of equipment to, to, to any of the entities on the blacklist. So initially, the implications, I think, will be um, software, equipment, uh, that sort of thing, and perhaps training uh, and the like. But uh, it, it, it's um, a, a powerful news story, but perhaps not as... Um, and not as substantial in, in actual fact as it sounds. Well, the fact that, you know, that we've got ties with Chinese entities, that's hardly surprising since we're part of China, surely. Absolutely. Uh, and then the, the bulk of the, the list, um, obviously excluding the Russians, the bulk of, the, um, the bulk of that list is, is, is a long list of, uh, of, of, of literally the A to Z of, um, uh, of Chinese aviation. Now, more of a, an American question than a Hong Kong question. Um, this is obviously, uh, you know, as the Trump administration leaves the White House in the final few days, and uh, Mike Pompeo has been very uh, outspoken on China. But do you think that Biden will follow? Um, I, I think it will be difficult for the for the Americans to immediately change their um, their position. So I, I, I don't think it will be a priority of the U.S. establishment to. Um, to backtrack too much on Trump's um, uh, on Trump's uh, policies, uh, there may be a change in emphasis and the way they explain them. But perhaps one of the few things that the Republicans and Democrats did agree on was a strong policy uh, toward China. Executive Councillor Ronnie Tong has welcomed yesterday's Court of Final Appeal ruling, which affirms the government's right to use an emergency law to impose a ban on masks at all protests, legal or otherwise. The government had imposed the ban during the peak of last year's social unrest, but the High Court later ruled the ban unconstitutional, as it imposes unnecessary restrictions on fundamental rights. Mr Tong, a senior counsel, says the top court did a better job than the lower court in considering the great harm that the violence inflicted on the community at large in overturning the judgment. He spoke to Violet Wong. 
If you read the judgment of the Court of Final Appeal, you would see that the court had devoted very large space to recount the various criminal acts which had occurred last year. Obviously, what the Court of Final Appeal is doing is to compare the uh, harm which had been done to the uh, community at large and that with the individual rights of people who uh, wanted to take part in demonstrations wearing masks. It is also obvious from the judgment itself that the Court of Final Appeal thinks that by wearing a mask on such occasions could lead to a conclusion that the person involved only wanted to hide his identity in order to escape punishment or escape the constraints of the law. And that obviously uh, view in the context of the overall damage to the community at large uh, is not acceptable. And so while the Court of Final Appeal, in fact, was carrying out the same balancing exercise as the two judges uh, in the first instance, they came to completely different results. And obviously uh, we would think that the Court of Final Appeal's approach is more appropriate because one finds it a little bit difficult to understand why at the first instance the two learned judges did not compare the harm which was done to the community at large with the individual rights in question, like the Court of Final Appeal uh, did. And uh, what about some criticism saying that police can already intervene if a peaceful and authorized protest turns violent, so that's actually no need for a general mask ban? What do you make of that? Well, the Court of Final Appeal addressed that issue as well. It took the view that if there are elements who join a peaceful demonstration wearing masks with the sole intention of committing violence, it in fact is adversely affecting the rights of people to attend public gatherings in a peaceful manner. And that likewise is not to be tolerated. And therefore, where you have a law which prevents the commission of such a criminal intent, then it is also obviously acceptable and constitutional. So uh, the Court of Final Appeal, in fact, therefore, drew no difference between people wearing masks in a violent demonstration from people wearing masks in a peaceful demonstration. Uh, obviously, the considerations are different. The consideration in relation to the letter, that is, in relation to a peaceful assembly, is that people should not be deterred from demonstrating peacefully. And uh, if there are people wearing masks who disrupt such peaceful assembly, then uh, I think the outlawing of wearing masks even in a peaceful assembly is uh, acceptable. Next month, a team from the World Health Organization will travel to Wuhan province to investigate the origins of COVID-19. The common theory is that the outbreak began at a wet market there. But there have been claims the virus leaked from a laboratory at the Wuhan Institute of Virology. The WHO says it's yet to see any evidence of this, and Shi Zhengli, a leading Chinese scientist at the Institute who specializes in coronaviruses of bat origin, has told the BBC that she's open to any kind of visit to rule out the claims. But as the BBC's John Sudworth reports, the Chinese authorities appear to be far less open to scrutiny. The origins of this pandemic may well lie in the jungle-covered hills of China's Yunnan province. It's getting dark, and already we can see the bats flying overhead, swooping down as they catch the evening mosquitoes. The bat populations here are known to harbour hundreds of coronaviruses, some of which can pass to humans. It's been quite a journey to get here, partly, of course, because we've been followed and 
surveilled the whole way down from the city of Kunming. Four, sometimes five cars following us. And not just followed, roadblocks prevent us from driving into villages. And when we approach on foot... Why you come to my place? You say the whole mountain is their mountain. In Wuhan. Suggestions that this virus leaked from the Wuhan Institute of Virology have so far been met with angry denials. But now, the Institute's lead scientist, Professor Shu Zhengli, when asked by the BBC whether she'd welcome a formal investigation, replied by email. I would personally welcome any form of visit based on open, transparent, trusting, reliable, and reasonable dialogue. But the specific plan is not decided by me. She is correct, of course. With Wuhan now back to normal, the government is busy promoting another theory, that the virus didn't come from China at all. It is unlikely to have much appetite for a lab investigation. Many scientists agree that a natural origin for COVID-19 is the most likely, with the bat virus perhaps passing to humans via another animal in a wet market. But some are starting to wonder why one year on, China has published so little about any studies that might help prove it. Dr. Daniel Lucy is a physician and infectious disease professor at the Georgetown Medical Center in Washington, D.C., and a veteran of many pandemics from SARS in China, Ebola in Africa, and Zika in Brazil. Why would anyone think that China has not done these investigations? Of course they've done them. They have the capability, they have the intelligence, they have the resources, uh, they have the, the motivation. So here we are 12, 13 months out since the first recognized case of COVID-19, and we haven't found the animal source. So to me, it's all the more reason to investigate alternative explanations, if only to uh, you know rule that out. But ruling out a lab leak seems an unlikely prospect when even basic questions about the research that's been carried out here on bats is met with roadblocks. We can't get through yeah. this car's here. It's just driven down, right? Well blocked. All of this may be proof that China has now decided that it needs to control anything that relates in any way at all to the origin of the virus. Tell these guys to reverse, unless this is all part of the trap. The World Health Organization says its inquiry into the origin of the virus will be open-minded. We end our trip trapped in a field for over an hour. One of the most prestigious literary prizes in the world, the National Book Award, has been given to Asian-American writer Charles Yu. His winning book, Interior Chinatown, is a satire exploring racism and the Asian-American experience. It features an aspiring actor called Willis Wu, who confronts casual discrimination and stereotyping in his quest to be cast outside roles like delivery guy or silent henchman. Mr Yu spoke to the BBC's Lawrence Pollard. 
here I am reading, let's say, American literature in high school or in college and never seeing very many models have much in common with, at least racially. So that sort of invisibility, I think, operated on a subconscious level. It sort of makes me feel extremely self-conscious about not being fully American, I guess, right? Because America was the people on the screen, on the page. And if you don't see that person very often, if you don't see anyone that sort of resembles you, then it makes you think, well, we're outsiders. And you're writing in a moment where many people are being forced to consider this, particularly the idea of any American typicality. I remember speaking to Celeste Ng, who wrote a very good book about growing up Chinese-American in Midwest America in 1970s, and this idea that what was accepted as normal American did not look like her and her characters. How far is that still the case? I think things have improved considerably in the last few years. What I wonder, though, is how long does it take and in what ways does the nexus between representation and perception, where do those gears start to really Mm. mesh? And that probably takes longer. You know, my daughter and son were born in the U.S. And like me, this is the only country they've ever called home. But, you know, even living in Southern California, we're already grappling with them talking about this feeling still. It's still a feature of their consciousness to not quite feel like they're of this place. As a writer, how do you think that compares with African-American writers who have to struggle with, or had to struggle and still are, with very similar feelings of exclusion from a mainstream, of not seeing representations of themselves? That's now kind of dominating the conversation at the moment. How does the Asian-American experience fit in? What's the connection there? Asian-Americans go back almost 200 years in the U.S., which is probably longer than is typically represented. And one of the things I was trying to get at in this book is sort of change the camera angle. Obviously, I think it's a very important and long overdue conversation that's happening coming out of the Black Lives Matter movement. If the camera's typically on the foreground action, the conversation between white and a black in America, what does the view look like from the Asian guy standing in the back? There are more than two parties to the conversation. Those stories were part of the Newswrap program, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. To prevent the spread of disease, make sure all drainage traps contain water. Pour half a liter of water into each drain outlet every week. Check sinks, baths, toilets, and floor drain outlets regularly. If drainage pipes are leaking or blocked, or drain outlets emit a foul smell, arrange prompt inspection and repair by a qualified person. Don't alter drains and pipes on your own. Visit chp.gov.hk for details. Radio 3 Weather. A look at the weather forecast. Tonight and tomorrow, mainly cloudy, one or two rain patches tomorrow, with temperatures ranging between 18 and 21 degrees. Winds will be moderate east to northeasterly and fresh at times. The outlook, bright and mild during the day, during the Christmas holidays and early next week, becoming appreciably cooler midweek next week. Currently, the air quality health index here in Hong Kong is moderate to high. The readings are 4 and 7. At the observatory, air temperature is 18 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity stands at 78%. Back to the music now. Simon Wilson sitting in for Uncle Ray, playing assorted ballads and easy listening through till one. 
Something you'd like to hear, 23388266 is the number. It's another tequila sunrise Staring slowly across the sky Said goodbye He was just a hired hand Working on the dreams he planned to try The days go by Every night when the sun goes down Just another lonely boy in town She's out running round She wasn't just another sunrise here on rthk radio 3 that of course is the sound of the eagle simon wilson sitting in for the world's most durable dj uncle ray he's taking time off over christmas and this current covid spike and hopefully he'll be back in the mean in the new year in the meantime playing assorted ballads and easy listening all the way through till one if there's something you'd like to hear two double three double eight two six six is the number (laughs) 